Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arscast on arsblog.olayolay.com. Before we start, I apologize in advance for uh, any strange sounding noises that might happen. Uh, my voice is a bit Shetland. That's right, it's a little hoarse. Sorry. Should start as you mean to go on and let's face it, it's not going to get much better than that. Hope you're well. Since the last Arscast, it's been mostly a good week. Some bad, but more good than bad, you would say, and with a common theme running through it. It's true. On Saturday, we played a team whose striker was bent, and on Tuesday, we played a team whose manager was... Um, well, you know what I mean. Lots to get through. On this particular Arscast, we'll be talking Jack Wilshire, looking back at the Spurs game, a little bit at the Sunderland game, uh, talking about the goalkeepers, young Polish goalkeeper not happy, and the other Polish goalkeeper still very flappy. Uh, That rhyming, entirely accidental, I assure you, anyone hoping for the rest of this podcast to be played out in rhyming couplets will be sadly disappointed. With me in a few moments' time to talk about lots of stuff is Amy Lawrence from The Observer, Uh, as well as that, Internet Joe will be here, Arshavin is here, and the usual bits and pieces of waffle as we look ahead to the West Brom games and the game against Partizan Belgrade in midweek. So lots to get through. Um, since we last spoke, of course, there was that whole trip to Sunderland thing. And this is the bad part of the mostly good week. Um, in the sense that we threw away two points. Let's face it. We should have won that game. Thomas Rosicki's penalty was not so much a penalty as a, an actual penalty. Shades of Chris Waddle kicking it over the bar in the World Cup. And Chris Waddle could well have infected Thomas Rosicki with his penalty-itis. He was there co-commentating for ESPN, the annoying twat. Him and John Champion and Ray Stubbs and... As I said during the week, I've now given up completely on punditry. I will not watch any of the build-up because it's just nonsense. Them talking shite. Half-time, they're talking shite about stuff that they've seen that nobody else has. It's quite remarkable how often you see uh, commentators and pundits and all that... And they'll, they'll make their mind upon something and when the replay shows they're wrong... They stick with the thing they originally said... You would have a little bit more respect for them if they could change their mind based on, you know, the pictures in front of you that you're seeing didn't touch him. Oh, yeah, well, maybe he did kick his leg off. Or the whole, well, that's definitely a penalty, and you show, well, there's absolutely no contact whatsoever. They stick with what they say first, for the most part. But anyway, none of that halftime stuff, certainly none of the full-time stuff. Turn them down and maybe catch some of the uh, post-game interviews. And do you ever see that thing they do on ESPN where they have this girl going around and all the players are in the tunnel? And the referee is in the tunnel, and she's standing there, and they're all standing there, and she's obviously waiting. And then she says, uh, yes, it's time for the game. This girl is deciding 
who's when the teams go out on the pitch. What's that about? That's wrong. Not because it's a girl. Even if it was a guy, it would be wrong. Just let the fucking guys go out on the pitch and play the game of football. Understand the whole tunnel. Shall anyway, that's a, an aside, I think, um, to the Sunderland game, uh, which we should have won. Uh, Rosicki's penalty uh, would have uh, sealed the deal for us. And then, of course, we get caught with a last minute, well, last minute, last seconds of injury time or over the actual injury time. I don't really have any great issue with that, to be honest. My issue is maybe there was a foul in the uh, in the build-up to their goal, a handball, when Scilacci was trying to clear the ball. It looked like it came off his hands. If you watch replays of it, watch Jack Wilshire go absolutely mental at the referee because it was a handball, and then we all know what happened. Clichy had a mistake, and Darren Bent scored it, and it was all a bit disheartening, really. But, you know, we were playing with 10 men. I don't really have any complaints about the sending off either because Song was a bit on the silly side. People were talking about the consistency of Phil Dowd, and that I accept because Titus Bramble uh, took Wilshire down on the edge of the box, totally scythed them down, and didn't get a yellow card. And Song, yeah, it was a silly foul and possibly a yellow card on a bad day, and that was a bad day. But why doesn't Bramble get one? And there were a few others, others as well. Um, but essentially, we have to blame ourselves. And it's uh, too easy to point fingers at referees and uh, give out that it was 10 seconds or 15 seconds over the four minutes of added time and this, that, and the other. There's no great conspiracy. We just need to defend right until the end of the games. And uh, unfortunately, we've made a bit of a habit of conceding late ones, even though we score quite a, a number of late ones too. Uh, unfortunately as well, Gail Clichy appears to be unable to concentrate for 90 minutes. And that was our undoing against Sunderland. And then, of course, we had the Spurs game and what a brilliant first half we played. Absolutely magnificent. Should have been further ahead. The linesman who gave Gibbs offside should hang his head, for sure, for giving that offside. Because it would have been a wonderful goal. A brilliant through pass from the outstanding Jack Wilshire. But he gave him offside, and then he gave Robbie Keane onside. And then Keane shot, and you know it took about three seconds to get to the goal. And Fabianski dived and got both hands on it and caught it, and then let it go, and it trickled in. And Fabianski's terrible. And that is essentially... Uh, why Spurs were back in that game. You know, a few minutes into the second half, silly, we should have won that in 90 minutes as well, but when you play someone like Fabianski in goal, um, yeah, these things can happen. Went to extra time, and we showed a bit of class in extra time. Two penalties from Samir Nasri, and uh, Arshavin scoring a goal, and an empty White Hart Lane. Very amusing Arsenal fans the whole night through. Shall we make a DVD? And uh, lots of other great and hilarious songs. And very, very enjoyable, considering the pleasure they took in that 5-1. And also the fact that we lost that 10-year uh, unbeaten run uh, in the league to them last season. Important to get ourselves back on track. Anyway, before we uh, talk about this a bit more uh, with Amy Lawrence, uh, let's get the rest of the lowdown from Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. Sunderland in the way. What a goal. He made that, you know. Rizitsky can win it. Oh, what's that? Oh, we're hanging out for three points. No! Oh, Phil Dill's fault. Wouldn't he blow the whistle? Carolyn Cook spurs away. Get in there, Lansbury. Oh, Fabianski, you're a spanner. What do you like? Extra time. Penal. Yay. Penal. Yay. Ash Evan. Yay. Stick that up your hole, you sports punts. More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Still to come, we'll be looking ahead to the West Brom game, the team news, injury news and all that. Arshavin is here. But right now, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arscast for the first time this season, Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. 
Hello, happy new season. And to you. Uh, we're well into it and um, we'll, we'll go at it from the Spurs point of view because uh, the, the result on Tuesday night was important, I think, uh, for a couple of reasons. The, uh, the fact, of course, that Spurs beat us last time in the Carling Cup and the, the 10-year thing that was going on in the league and then it sort of came off the back of the disappointment of, of the Sunderland game at the weekend. Um, it was important to get back on track as quickly as possible. Very much so, and I think that the fact that Arsene picked such a, a strong team was telling that he probably realised that there was something more to this than you know just your regular Carling Cup approach. And I think it is significant that it, it wasn't so much a case of bouncing back against Sunderland because what happened at Sunderland happened any time. Um, you know, anyone who's been watching Arsenal over <laughs> these last few years knows that in the last few minutes of away games when people want want to start hurling the ball into the box and making it a, a, an onslaught, anything can happen. Mm. But it, I think it was quite a lot to do with sort of reasserting the North London supremacy, if you like, that has been in existence for so many years. And uh, it was important, I think, for Arsenal to set a marker and say, look, um, you might have beaten us in the league last time out and ended this massive period of uh, of league dominance. But I think that was a pretty emphatic response mm-hmm. um, from the from the Arsenal boys. And as some people have pointed out, you know, when you looked at some of their punditry, it was as if all of a sudden it was a super experienced Arsenal against a very, very green Tottenham. But that doesn't really tell the true story because the two teams were relatively well balanced in terms of experience um uh if anything you you know some people have tried to argue that still tottenham had a more expensive and more experienced team out than arsenal's and i think when people are talking about the likes of jack wilshire as being a regular <laughs> i mean it's great that he is at the moment he's absolutely been a breath of fresh air and he's taken his opportunity amazingly well um but he's still a guy who up until the start of the season which is only over a month ago, had had little tiny bits and bobs of, of Arsenal football. And, mm. of course, Arsenal football is different from Bolton football. And much as he had six months' experience in the Premiership last year, that six months, invaluable though it was, is not what he's doing at the moment. Mm. And do you think, you know, in the in the wake of the result that, I mean, before the game, Glenn Hoddle was saying that Spurs have caught up with Arsenal. And, uh, you know, like you say, it was important to sort of reassert that that dominance. And is it also a sign, perhaps, that he's taking the Carling Cup a little bit more seriously? Do you think? I mean, there, there was definitely. I think it was I think, one-off. I think. I think actually, it, it was really due to these very specific circumstances, and that's probably what I was being ask, away yeah. from home against White Hart Lane. Uh, um, I think against Tottenham White Hart Lane. I think if it had been um, Rotherham or you know Scunthorpe or whoever, mm. I think he still would have picked an inexperienced team. How do you think but, he's going to go for the rest of the tournament now? Because when you look Chelsea well, what around, very, City around, well, this is you it. You, su- you suddenly look, you suddenly look around and think this really is is winnable, even with the um, a mixed team or a, a, a young team or however you want to define it. Um, it's it's really there for, if not there for the taking. I mean, you've you've got to fancy a very very good chance because mm. if you can avoid having to go to Chelsea. Um, to Man City, to uh, Liverpool with an understrength team. And obviously Tottenham are now at the equation. It, it, you're only really looking at Man United as, mm. as a team that you'd fear if you haven't got a full-strength team out. So 
it, it would be, I think, foolish to not have a jolly good go. I would agree entirely. Um, Jack Wilshire, you mentioned already, um, and he has been quite a revelation so far this season. And um, the performance against Spurs was fantastic because he took maybe a, a bit more of a, a leading role there. But what he's been asked to do since he came in at the start of this season is play very much a supporting role as one of the two deeper-lying midfielders, which isn't necessarily his game um, when he's playing, I would say, at his own level. But, you know, through the years when he's come uh, through the reserves, he's been the more forward, the more creative midfielder. Uh, and people talk about his maturity, not reacting to the kicking that he got um, in the first half, particularly against Spurs. Uh, and the way he's been able to play disciplined football without... Maybe uh, every now and again he's he's sort of fallen foul to the, uh, the the thing that young players have where they like to do a little trick here and there in the wrong place and, and they learn from that. But for the most part, he's been tremendously disciplined. Um, uh, do you think maybe the manager is a bit surprised at, at how quickly he's come along? I think um, the first thing I have to say is I'm ashamed at how much I'm in love with him. I mean, this, this, <laughs> a, a woman of my age shouldn't be having these kind of crushes anymore. So I think I better get that bit out of the way. But um, I, I think Arsene wasn't expecting to play him in every game. Uh, and what, you know, obviously the, the injury and suspensions and whatever situations have been kind to Jack. But talk about grabby opportunity. And that's something that some of the young players um, who have come through and who have been great prospects have maybe found a little bit more difficult to do. And yeah. I think that's why, why people can single out Jack as looking so special. Because a bit like Sesk, from day one, he's looked like it's just the easiest thing in the world for him to just go up a level. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think Arsene was anticipating using him anywhere near um, and intensely. I mean, for him to be playing three games a week at his age, it, you know, and, and top-level games is fantastic. And, it, and seemingly getting better and better with each game. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm finding really thrilling is that, as you, as you sort of said at the beginning, his first few games, I was almost thinking, anyone who's seen him playing for the reserves and the youth teams and knows how much fantastic technique and skill he's capable of, was thinking, go on, express yourself. And it seemed that he was slightly inhibited to start with about expressing himself. And partly because he was obviously doing this discipline role, playing a bit more defensively, which is good for his education. But what's been great about the last couple of games and what's getting everybody really excited is now he's beginning to find his range and just show, you know, show what a marvellous player he is. Uh, he's some prospect. And along with Wilshire uh, coming through, we have added to the squad this season, of course, uh, Lauren Koscielny has played every game apart from the, from the one he was suspended in. Shamak has added something up front and obviously we've needed that. But uh, isn't there something to be said that adding new players, freshening up the squad can have a tremendous impact on it because it you know it adds these new players uh, with new skills who come in they're motivated it keeps the existing players on their toes uh, and, and so far the the business he's done in the summer seems to have been very good business yeah i would i would agree with you and, and it, typically i think it wasn't um difficult for any of us to look at the transfer business and be a bit not quite jumping through hoops with excitement, you know, about uh, about the guys that have come in. Um, but that, but it's been a real plus for Arsenal that they've uh, they've managed to come in without that usual sort of six month period of adjustment and show their quality straight away and be impo- important players straight away. Mm. 
and, uh, and it's lucky for Arsenal in many ways that the likes of Shemak and Koscielny have, a bit like Jack, shown that they can just come in, come in and be, if not 100% as good as they're ever going to be, really you know, hold their own so far. Um, so that's been a, a massive plus because the way that the injuries have gone, they've had to play every game virtually. Mm. Uh, and you know, may well have to for a little while longer. So it's uh, it, it's looking good because you'd expect them to just get stronger and more comfortable um, as the games go by. And they will make mistakes. And Koscielny has made a few pretty glaring ones and Shamak's made one or two as well. The kind of things that will get ironed out when they get a bit more adapted. Mm. But um, when you think back, the Arsenal always used to say that it used to take five players six months to get used to it. Well, they're definitely both ahead of the game. The only thing in terms of refreshing um, the squad with new players and getting things a bit more invigorated, that's the pity, is the elephant in the room we all know about. <laughs> and that's where it was so disappointing not to see um, Richard Schlesny playing all right. in yeah. goal the other day. Yeah, I <laughs> not mean... the previous time. Well, I mean, we, we, we tend every time you, you come on and have done for the last while to, to speak about the goalkeeping no, so situation. Boring. I know it, it's kind of boring, but it's it's there. Like you say, it's the elephant in the room. And, and before the game against Spurs, Arsene Wenger is describing Lukas Fabianski as a world-class goalkeeper. And, you know... The, the Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The performances every single time are, I don't want to say making a fool of Arsene Wenger, but they're proving him wrong every every single time. And Chesney has expressed his disappointment. And when I read the comments earlier in the week, um, you know, it seemed to be more uh, addressed towards Manuel Almunia than, than Lukas Fabianski. So maybe there's a bit of patriotism going on there. Um, so while I think we can all understand Chesney's frustration at not being given a go, because every time Fabianski is thrown in, he, he makes a, a cock up. Um, has he gone about? Has he gone about it the right way? Because um, being so public about it and being so critical and the, the sort of veiled threat about his contract um, is that going to help him, or is it going to maybe force the manager's hand? Well, actually, I thought the bit about his contract was interesting because I certainly wasn't aware of that. No, um, me neither. This is a guy who is a young player with immense promise who has definitely caught the eye of. Lots of clubs, well beyond England. Uh, you know, let's not pr- pretend that the big clubs around the world are not. <laughs> they're not watching Brentford every week. But if there's a very, very good young player around who is contracted to one of the major clubs and plays internationally at youth level, everybody knows about them. That's a fact of life. And 
considering how aggressive Arsenal have been in signing up uh, the best of their young players to long-term contracts uh, over the last year or so, I mean, that's been sort of a big thing that Gazidis has pushed, is to nail everybody down yeah. and avoid the situation where you get, you know, a, a good player ends up going off on a Bosman and, uh, and that kind of situation. I, I'm surprised that Arsenal have allowed this situation to develop. To think that in two or three months he can be talking to other clubs is a worry. <laughs> talking about the position is the big single biggest problem at the club and pro- probably the best goalkeeper on the books looks like he could be free to do what he likes and you wouldn't blame him at the moment because if you are um, Mozart and you're you know sitting there playing a concerto with a bunch of amateur musicians and they're all getting promoted and, and you're not how would you feel and mm. I said I think he's not wrong, and I think that it's a danger that Arsenal are going to pay a heavy price for not being brave enough to pick the most talented player, even though he's the youngest in this situation. But I mean, is is he as talented is, as he thinks he is? Well, we we don't know because he hasn't <laughs> been given those equivalent chances at the top level matches that we've seen mistakes coming from the other contenders in. Yeah. Um, but he's done everything else right, and he has merited his chance to see whether he can be uh, uh, less likely to make those mistakes than all the others are. Mm. So what? what fact, yeah, sorry. What, what what should Arsene Wenger do? I mean, is it time to you know to to end the Fabianski thing? Just call time and say, look, it's over. You've had your chances. Every time you go in, you make a mistake. Promote Chesney to number two, give him some cup games, and then if he progresses during the season, you know, look at him uh, being number one. Is that what he should well, do? Well, I think that the problem is it's maybe that it's too late for that because, it, you know, perhaps he should have done that already, but by not giving Chesney the chance at the first opportunity in the Cups this season, he's sent out a signal to Fabianski, to Chesney, to, to all of them, of his packing order. Hmm. Um, the opportunity to have changed this packing order was before the game at Tottenham. If he wanted to keep that, I mean, oh, arguably he could have given somebody a chance in the league matches and said, oh, I mean, but I mean, he's you know not been massively tested, but has largely been just about all right. Uh, you couldn't really complain mm. in the way that people have been able to in the past so far this season. That's not to say it won't change, but you know, everybody hopes he's going to keep it up. Um, but I do think it's a pity that he hasn't let Chesney have a chance to be the official number two. Yeah. And you pointed it out, the big problem was was not sending someone on loan. Yeah. Because if, if either of them had come on loan, you completely changed the dynamics. It, it, even if, it, it, you know, arguably Chesney could have gone on loan to a premiership team, a bit like Jack did last season with Bolt for six months. And that shows progress to him. That shows Arsenal believe in him and a by saying, okay, you've done Brentford, now let's see you in the prime. Mm. A bit like Joe Hart did last year with Birmingham, and, and look at what it did for him, the opportunity it gave him. Mm. I had to do that, or to say, okay, you're on number two, and Fabianski goes off on loan. But by kind of fudging it in the way that it's been fudged, um, I fear that Arsenal might lose a really, really fantastic prospect mm. he... in an area where they desperately need all the help they can get. He can't play Fabianski again, though, can he? Can he? Well, 
and we, uh, haven't we been saying that since Porto? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, why would he suddenly change now if he mm. hasn't? Changed, uh, you know, also we're talking on the back of a four-four-one win. If if Arsenal had gone out against Spurs because the result had gone differently and against him made another error, well, okay, then there's yet more weight to that argument. But the fact that Dean went through, Arsenal is entitled to say. What went wrong? Yeah, but I mean, you have to take those things in isolation, surely. You know, the result and the, the, the goalkeeper's mistake. I mean, the result, the game could have been over in 90 minutes if, we, if he hadn't made that mistake. So surely he has to look at them in isolation. Just because we won doesn't mean the goalkeeper's performance is adequate or acceptable. Yeah, but I just think when you look at the, the gazillion chances that both Almunia and um, uh, Fabianski have had to sort of make have cock-up competitions kind of thing it's like mm. it, it shows that it shows that either there's an indecision on Arsenal's part or a, uh, a lack of the boldness on Arsenal's part to really do something radical about it but does, he, could have, he could have done loads of times and mm. he just doesn't so why should we assume he's going to do it now but does it say something about Chesney that he hasn't bitten the bullet and given him a chance rather than his indecision about the other two does he know more about Chesney that we don't? That maybe he doesn't think he's ready, or I don't know. I'm I don't know. But you, 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 you talk to the guys at Brentford, and I know it's a different level and all that. But and whenever he let a goal in down there last season, all their players used to look at each other and think, "Jesus, what's happened there?" Like, because mm. it was just they couldn't believe that he didn't keep out absolutely everything. That was the esteem in which he was held, and he's you. Know, he seems to have terrific attributes, um, and he's got great character. Uh, he doesn't seem, although it's not been tested yet at the highest level, but he doesn't seem to have the neuroses that <laughs> exist inside most of the other goalkeepers at Arsenal, yeah. um, which is part of the problem. So I, I, I just can't see it. It's just one of those things where I feel like, sorry, Arsenal, you and I have to agree to disagree on this one. I can't. I can't see why he would not give him a chance. All right. Well, uh, we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed that uh, when his chance comes, it's not because of something terrible that's happened in uh, other games. Maybe injuries, or uh, maybe he'll be one of those young players that uh, takes his chance when it happens. Uh, Amy, we better leave it there. But thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much to Amy and we'll catch up with her again as the season progresses. The goalkeeping thing is still uh, an issue that's uh, ripe for debate and discussion. Arsene was talking about Chesney today and he said, you know, I can only play one goalkeeper. And uh, he says it's an impatience because he's so young. He says what goalkeepers forget when, when they're 20 is that they can play till they're 40. And what they lose at the start of their career, they gain at the end, etc., etc. So, I mean, I can perfectly understand Chesney being totally frustrated with not getting games because uh, I believe the plan was to send him out on loan again this season. But obviously, the manager has his doubts about uh, Fabianski and Almunia. You just wonder why he's not being given the chance. I just don't think he's gone about it the right way um, in expressing his frustration so publicly. I don't think he's uh, giving himself the best chance possible uh, to be given a chance in the uh, in the first team. Because, you know, if you start mouthing off and then you get given a chance, does it uh, make the manager look weak? Does it allow other players to think that they can behave like that and they'll get their chance? So it's a, it's a very tricky one. Um, the contract thing is obviously a worry, but at the end of the day, he's a 20-year-old goalkeeper who has been 
built up. Let's face it, he's been built up into something almost magical at this stage, based on a good season at Brentford. As Brentford in Division 2. I'm not saying he can't do a job for Arsenal. I'm just saying that we have to be maybe a little bit realistic about it. In the same way that Schwarzer became the answer to all our goalkeeping problems simply because he wasn't Almunia or Fabianski. Uh, and if anyone has seen Schwarzer so far this season, that, my friends, is a bullet well and truly dodged. Now, don't get me wrong. I would prefer if we never saw Fabianski again. I would like to see him walk off into the distance with a handkerchief tied onto a stick with his meager belongings in it, going as far away from Arsenal Football Club as possible, and I'd like to see Chesney be be uh, given a chance. But at the same time, he has to be realistic as well, uh, and remember that he's only 20 years of age, and, and there are ways and means of going about things. So um, you do hope that after the Carling Cup display that uh, Arsene has looked at Fabianski and taken, as I was saying to Amy, You've got to take the things in isolation. We won the game, fantastic, but it was absolutely nothing to do with Fabianski. So um, he said you don't get 10 chances. He's had at least seven or eight now. Maybe he's going to give him two more chances. I really hope not. Uh, but the goalkeeping thing, as long as Almunia stays fit for the time being, uh, I think that's the best we can hope for. Anyway, looking ahead to the West Brom game very shortly, right now, Arshavin. Sky, rookie team flight. Oh, oh, hello, I am Arshevin, and uh, it's a good week uh, this week. I know we don't uh, make three points at Sunderland, but uh, we have win against uh, Tottenham, which is a big rival, and it's always good when you make win against a big rival. It's like uh, when you have a family dinner, and uh, there is cousin, like same age and all your life uh, you are fighting not uh, like fighting but uh, you won't do better than him and he won't do better uh, than you and uh, when he come for dinner you give him a bit of meat <laughs> that has fallen on floor <laughs> and uh, after fall on floor you wipe on dog <laughs> and if feeling uh, very funny, you put on, um, oh, how do you say, uh, the uh, green from from nose, uh, sperm of nose, no, what? snot, <laughs> snot, yes, you put uh, snot on meat and cook and, <laughs> and give to him, he's like this because after game, Pavlichenko come to me and say, uh, oh, Andre, Congratulations on the winning game and for goal. But when we play you again, we will have revenge. And I go to him, I say, Pavlichenko, if you even think about revenge, I will kill your children. I was not laughing. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like uh, Pavlichenko was asking for it. Can't blame Arshavin on this one. Looking ahead to the weekend, it's West Brom and some injury news. We know Sesk is out. Thomas Vermalen remains out with his Achilles problem, which is a bit of a blow, I suppose. Kieran Gibbs, short-term out after picking up the injury against Spurs. And there are some doubts over Thomas Rosicki and Emmanuel Ibue, who will both face fitness tests. Players returning, Alex Song, 
is back from his suspension. Uh, Sebastian Scilacci will be back and into the centre of defence. Abu Diaby could be back after his injury against Bolton when Paul Robinson tried to kick his leg into and Manuel Almunia in uh, in goal, thankfully. What will be interesting is to see if he chooses Fabianski as his number two for that game or if uh, maybe Chesney's words have prompted him into making a change or indeed Fabianski's performances have prompted him into making a change. Uh, also interesting to see how he copes with players who played 120 minutes in midweek. Uh, Wilshire, Koscielny, Nasri, uh, Juru, Danielson all did 120 minutes. Now on Tuesday, which does give them that extra day of rest, uh, so they probably all will be involved at some stage. Uh, interesting to see as well whether Wilshire will keep his place. He is quite reluctant at times to... Um, to overplay young players. And Wilshire is only 18 and has played in every single game and done 120 minutes. So you do wonder whether or not he's going to play. I hope he does because um, he's just a fantastic player and great to watch. Um, the game itself, you have to be looking at three points from this one. Not to underestimate uh, West Brom by any means because I think they're a decent side. They come into the game on the back of a good win against Manchester City in midweek. But what was interesting is watching the Jack Wilshire interview on Arsenal TV not the one that went out on Sky, but the one after the game. And he said, we're in the dressing room. The boss has come in and said, well done. Forget about that game now. It's all about West Brom uh, on Saturday. So we've got to look at three points for this. Anything less uh, than three points at home uh, against West Brom will be a bit of a disaster, you would have to say. But uh, I'm confident with players coming back in, like Shamak back into the starting lineup, uh, we can do the business. Then midweek, of course, it's a trip to Serbia, to Belgrade, uh, to play FK Partizan. Not really any way of previewing that game because we don't know how many injuries we're going to get against West Brom on Saturday. Um, so we'll just keep fingers crossed that everybody comes through the game tomorrow uh, unscathed. So that's really about that. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll keep fingers crossed as well for three points tomorrow. Uh, talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Every year, the NSPCA helps children all over the UK. If you're from a broken home, bullied in school, suffering any kind of abuse, or if you feel alone and you've got nobody to talk to, think again. Our phone lines are manned 24 hours a day, and whatever you tell us is 100% confidential. If you need someone to talk to, just pick up the phone. We're here. Please note, if you're a specky little four-eyed twat with a cock on his shirt, don't bother. There's nothing we can do for you now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.